Good, thank you very much. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. You know, Jesus said he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Uh, I, I feel in many ways that God has given me very much an abundant life. Uh, not a life that I've deserved by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but in many ways God's given me an abundant life. I think of, because of Brother, Brother Teff's introduction, I think of the friendships God has given me. I see Brother Hackett sitting way up there, one of my best friends in the world. And it's amazing, Brother Hackett, um, with my age and, and his age, there's a, a disparity there, but we love each other like brothers. I think in that same skit Brother Teff was talking about, Brother Vogel asked to, to do, uh, he played the part of a woman in that skit, if I remember right. And at that time, Brother Hackett was, I think, twice the man he is today. And he went and asked one of the ladies in our business office at the, at the school if he could borrow one of her dresses because she was rather a well-rounded lady also. And I don't think she's talked to you to this day, uh, Brother Hackett. You know, she didn't, number one, she did not loan him a dress. And number two, she did not appreciate the implication that he would fit in one of her dresses. Um, Brother Teff mentioned that, uh, that we vacationed once together. And uh, that was, boy, that was quite a while ago, probably uh, 15 years ago now. And uh, on that trip, you know, of course, he's from Rhode Island, and he went to, we went to this place that he calls the rocks out there on the rocky coast of New England. And uh, so we went there and they're out on the rocks, the, the waves come in and crash against those rocks and you know the spray from the waves will go up quite, uh, quite a distance. And uh, I was, he said, go out there and go stand out there by the rocks and I wanna I want get your picture. And so I went, stood out there on the rocks and uh, at that time, I think the digital cameras had already come out. It wasn't that long ago, but for whatever reason, we didn't, we didn't own one at the time. And so we actually had a camera with film in it. I don't want to go on explaining that to you, but cameras had film back then. And so he tried to, get the, tried to time it just right so that spray from the, from the waves would you know, be going up in the air and taking my picture. And, and he couldn't get it just right. He'd take the picture, and then the waves would crash. Or, the waves would crash and then he'd take my picture, you know. So it was over and over again trying to get it just right. And so finally he took a picture. And, um, for whatever reason, my wife ended up taking that roll of film and Mrs. Teff to the store and got it developed. And then they start going through these pictures. And it's like picture after picture of me on the rock. You know, they're going through these pictures like, Mrs. Teff, why is my husband taking pictures of your husband over and over again on the rocks? So, uh, as he said, we were very close. Uh, so, yeah. Matthew chapter 13. I'll change the subject for you. Matthew 13. My point, my point in saying that, my point is this. Well, God has given me a great life. I have mentioned my wife and my children. I, I, I enjoy the life that God has given me, the life that God has for you very different than mine but I wouldn't trade places with anybody in the world my life isn't perfect I wouldn't, wouldn't even imply that but I love my life God has given me along the way uh, friendships of a lifetime uh, great men, the men up on the platform I consider my very dear friends what a privilege I have Matthew chapter 13 I'm going to start with verse 1 
We're going to read nine verses to start with here. If you'd follow along, and then I'll give it some explanation. Matthew chapter 13, look at verse 1. Same day when Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into his ship and sat, and a whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a store went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground, brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirty. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. The next few verses... Jesus is asked, why, why, why do you speak in parables? And he explains that. And he goes down uh, all the way to verse number 18, and he says, you know, let me explain to you this parable of the sower. What I'll do this morning is we'll look at the outline that Jesus gives here in Matthew chapter 13. And we'll simply look at the truth that Jesus gives and then we'll work together at applying it to our lives to learn from this outline. His sermon is on listening to the Word of God. See, he explains. I'm not guessing that the typology in that parable, that the seed is this or that the sower is this. No, he explains it himself. And he explains how that seed sown by the wayside or on stony ground or among the thorns or among the good soil, that seed is the teaching of the Word of God. And then he goes on to explain there are four types of hearers, right? He explained some is along the wayside, among thorns, among stony ground, good fruitful ground. He says there's four kinds of hearers. And depending upon how you listen to the Word of God will determine your future, will determine your destiny. That isn't a guess by looking at a parable and saying, you know, this is what I think it means. Jesus explains this one. And he tells you you're in one of four groups. And depending upon which group you are in will determine your destiny. I cannot think, and maybe you could think of one, I could not think, after giving it a few moments thought, of a group of people that hears more teaching from the Word of God than this group. Maybe there is one somewhere in the world, I could not think of one, that hears as much teaching from God's word over and over and over again throughout your week. What you do with that teaching will determine your destiny. Not because I say so. Son of God said so. And again, we're going to simply look at what Jesus says about, okay, let me tell you what the seed sown by the wayside is. And then let's look at that this morning and say, is that, is that me? Because if it, is, if it is me, this is what's going to happen in my life. Again, and that's not a guess. That's because this is what Jesus says is going to happen in your life. If you have your Bible open there, Matthew chapter 13 still. Verse number 19. This is the seed sown by the wayside. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed 
by the wayside. Okay, look back this way. This first group we'll call the forgetful hearer. This is the hearer that receives the seed, right? I mean, they hear the truth from God's word. They're smart enough to put themselves in a position where the truth of God's, God's word is available to them and accessible to them. And yet they just, they don't get it. They don't listen enough to understand it. They don't apply themselves to understand it. James chapter 1, verse 25, describes this person as a forgetful hearer. Whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Jesus says, if this is you, if you're this type of hearer where you come to chapel just like you came this morning and you listen to God's word, I mean, when I say listen, I mean it's bouncing off your eardrum, but you're not focusing enough to understanding it, to understand God's word, the day is going to come where Jesus uses the illustration of a little birdie will come and remove that, that truth or that seed from your brain. It won't even be there. It, it, it would be like you were never here. You know, uh, a few years ago, I had some water that got in our basement, and so I had a box that I was moving from there, and I noticed these are my college notes. And so I was moving the, taking the, the, the notebooks out of that box and moving them into a different box because they had gotten, they'd gotten wet. And I remember looking at a notebook, and in looking at that notebook, I knew I had written that because that's my handwriting. And I looked at the course, you know, on the outside of that notebook, and I knew I was in that course because it was on my college transcript. But in looking at those words that I wrote, I couldn't remember hearing that. I couldn't remember writing that. But I did. Boy, I must not have applied myself to the learning and the teaching that I was receiving. Because, you know, it wasn't accessible to me. You know, a friend of mine, uh, when we were probably in uh, grade school, maybe third, fourth, fifth grade, somewhere in there. We used to get to, to church early, and we'd sit in our seat. You know, he'd come over to my seat where my family would sit, and we would sit there waiting to go either to Sunday school or to go to Young Fundamentalist or to go wherever we were supposed to go. And, but we were sitting there waiting for that time to come, and we would play this game. And, and the game we would play was uh, I would say, okay, now, Jim, whoever walks through that door, that's going to be yours. Okay, now what that meant is you were going to marry whoever walked in that door next. And so maybe, you know, an attractive college girl would walk through that door, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that's me, you know, that's mine. And then he said, okay, the next one's yours. And the next person that would walk through that door maybe is a sailor or, uh, you know, somebody else. And then we'd make fun and laugh at each other and think of where we might end up in the future and what might happen to us in the future. Look at me. If you don't apply yourself to the teaching of God's word in Bible class, in chapel, in church, your own devotions, Jesus says it's just going to disappear. It's not going to be there. It's not going to be available for you. Number one, seed sown by the wayside, forgetful hearer. Number two, seed, st seed sown in stony places. I call this a foundationless hearer. Look at verse 20. But he that receives seed in the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon or immediately with joy receiveth it. 
Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. The foundationless Christian enjoys a good sermon, but rarely applies it to his life. He enjoys a special music. May even say amen to how great thou art. May even have a tear escape his eye as he listens to good music. Immediately, the, the verse says, when this person the foundationless Christian, when he hears the preaching of the word of God, he's excited about it, he recognizes it as truth, but he doesn't have any foundation. He has no root, that verse says, of himself. By and by, you see what his future is. By and by, he is offended because of the word. No root in and of himself. He enjoys music in church, but has no walk with God. He enjoys the things of God, but has no godly foundation question do you have a root in yourself do you have a relationship with God do you hey most of us now most of us in this room we grew up in a Christian home we grew up going to uh, Sunday school and going to church and we grew up if we're not careful we grew up listening to a truth being entertained by some music or maybe even by an illustration and then dismissing the truth. Again, we paid attention. We may even listen to that and recognize that as truth, but then we don't apply it to our life. How is your relationship with God? Well, you are in a good place. But just being in a good place, hearing the word of God, doesn't mean you have root in and of itself. You know, I'll be very honest with you. Sometimes Christian education or growing up in a Christian home or growing up in church, now look at me, that, that, that's me. And I love a goodly heritage. I stole my life's verse from Brother Hackett, if you can steal such a thing. But Psalm 16.6, I heard him as a teacher when I was in junior high say, my life's verse is Psalm 16.6, the lions have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. And I decided as a young person, boy, God's given me a goodly heritage. And I'm very grateful for the heritage that God has given me. Hey, but now as a leader in Christian education, it's very obvious to me that there can be, if you allow there to be some drawbacks to growing up in Christianity and growing up in home, in a good, godly Christian home, you may start to mistakenly feel that and believe that Christianity is all out here. It's what everybody else sees. They don't see your foundation. They don't see the root. They don't see your relationship with God. Even this morning, I talked to a senior young man in my office. He had some garbage on his Facebook page. So I pulled up that Facebook page, and I pointed at these different things, and I said, look at that. You can't, you can't have that on your Facebook page. This is off immediately. You remove this from your Facebook page. At the end of that conversation, I was convicted, and I thought for a little while, did I just train this young man that as long as the likes of his rock music groups aren't on his Facebook page, it's okay? Or did I teach him and train him that, you know, you have a God that loves you very much, and that music that you have li listed here is completely contrary to everything God enjoys and stands for? See, if you're not careful, you'll start to believe because maybe you've been accidentally trained by good people that the outside is what's important. 
The outside is important. But how is your root this morning? How is your root? Do you have a foundation of your own? How is your walk with God? Boy, so many of us, we grew up going to church because we had no choice in the matter. When it's time to go to church, you went to church. And you paid attention, whether you were interested or not, because you had dad sitting next to you or mom sitting next to you. But how is your root? How is your relationship with God? Again, seed sown in stony places, a foundationless hearer. What's the future for the foundationless hearer? Jesus says, when tough times come, the foundationless hearer is eventually offended and forsakes the things of God. Number three, seed sown among the thorns. I call this one the fortune hunting hearer. Look at verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becometh unfruitful. You're here because you feel that God wants you to be in a full-time Christian service. The majority of you are. Okay, let me, let me logic with you for just a second. I imagine you understand that the pay scale in full-time Christian service does not match the pay scale of the world. And I have no intention of making light of that. That is an investment for me. You do understand Matthew teaches us because Jesus says that whatever you give up, for my sake. And he lists some things there. I will repay you 100-fold. Do you understand that's 10,000%? You try to find 10,000% anywhere in anything else other than Jesus Christ. Okay, so don't get lost in the illustration. I'm not saying that, oh, I'm a Christian school teacher and I don't have nothing. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. You understand that in full-time Christian service, you are investing. You're becoming rich towards God. Okay, but the things... The financial, your financial status in Christian education will not be what it could have been if you would have gone in another area or another career or another career choice. That makes sense, right? Everybody here understands that. Then look at me. Don't become the type of person that allows the devil, and he's so skilled at this, at using the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, not my words, Jesus' words, to choke your effectiveness in your Christian ministry. You know, there are Christian school teachers that sacrifice to go through Christian college. There are assistant pastors that sacrifice and work and do without sleep to go through college and ministry and learning. And then they get out and finally they're out to do the work that God has called them to do and they allow a second job to, to render them ineffective in their ministry. But how about you? But the devil is very skilled at taking the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and choking the influence of the Holy Spirit and that decision you made to follow the Lord in full-time Christian service. Solomon says, Therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. What is the future for the fortune hunting hearer? He becometh unfruitful, that verse says. The end of his life is full of I wish I had. Okay, look at me. Let's review. Three things Jesus said so far. Number one, seed sown by the wayside. Let me tell you what that is. That's somebody who hears the truth, but they don't focus. They don't get it. They don't listen and apply themselves. And when they need that truth, it's just not going to be there. 
Second group of people. Seed sown among stony places. That seed has no root in himself. That is the Christian that has no foundation of himself. You cannot build your Christian life on your pastor's foundation. You cannot build your Christian life on your mom or dad's foundation. You cannot build your Christian life on a godly teacher's foundation. You must build your Christian life on your foundation. You have to have your own root, a root of your own. How is your godly foundation? Fortune hunting here. That's the seed Jesus said, sown among thorns. Boy, they're excited about that truth. They hear that truth that makes sense to them, and they may even be excited about sharing it with somebody else. But you know what? The care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches are the thorns in this illustration, and they choke that excitement out of them. That's a fortune hunting hearer. Lastly, he that receives the seed into the good ground. This is the fruitful hearer. Verse 23. This is what we want to be. Verse 23. He that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. You know, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. God has called our Heavenly Father. You know, when I teach something to my children, and when they try to implement it in their lives, boy, that, that gives me great delight. I appreciate that, even when they stink at it. Uh, my, my son Jeff is, is four. He's going to be five here shortly. And uh, he, he throws a ball right-handed. He bats right-handed. He throws a football right-handed. He's been shooting a basketball left-handed. We have this little six-foot hoop in our living room, and he's always shot left-handed. And so I've been trying to show him you shoot right-handed. Everything else he does right-handed, you need to shoot right-handed. And yesterday, he was excited. I got home in between school and church and just had a few minutes, and we were getting ready to leave. And he said, Dad, Dad, watch this. And, you know, you can, you've been around young kids, or you can even remember being four and five. It didn't matter what you were about to do. You just wanted someone to watch you, right? So he grabbed the ball, and he said, Dad, Dad, watch me, watch me. And he went to shoot that ball with his left hand, and then he goes, you know, looks up at me and puts it over there in his right hand and just kind of airballs at him. It was a horrible shot because he doesn't normally shoot with his right hand. And, you know, I, I thought, he's listening to what I told him to do. He listened, right? He took the truth, something that I gave him to do, and I wish it would have been more spiritual. I would have had more spiritual illustration for you. But he took what I had taught him. And as his dad, I appreciated that he was trying to implement it in his life, even though he wasn't perfect at it. Matter of fact, he was horrible at it. But he was trying to do what I showed him to do. Man, do you leave chapel? Do you leave a Bible class? Do you leave church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? And does your Heavenly Father watch you? Try to implement that in your life. Even if you're bad at it. Even if you're not very good at it. Does he see you try to implement it in your life? Not long ago, I heard, I, I, was, I was driving to school in the morning, and normally my routine is I have my Bible in the seat right in the middle, and my pickup truck, the Bible's right there, at my devotion for uh, teacher's devotion. I give a teacher's devotion every morning, and so I have my devotion there with my Bible open, and I'm thinking through my devotion as I'm, it takes me about five, seven minutes to get to school. And so while I was listening to the radio with my Bible open there, 
uh, WBBM, they made a statement. They said 25% of all traffic accidents are caused by distracted driving. And when they said that, you know, I immediately knew, you know, that's, I think that's true. And I thought back to a few years before traveling down Route 30, going east on Route 30 down towards the mall, and there was an accident. And there are two policemen over here at the accident. The car was bashed in the back of it, and the front of the other car was bashed in. And so I'm looking at that accident, you know, as I'm going uh, east on Route 30, uh, thinking the people are out talking to each other and talking to the policemen. I thought, oh, man, they weren't paying attention. And look, they ran into each other. You know what happened, right? Wham! I ran into the guy in front of me. And after I realized what happened, and I put my car in park, and then I looked, and there's nobody in front of him. The light was green. He was watching the accident, just like I was. And as I heard that morning, as they made the statement with my Bible there in the middle of my truck, and the, the announcer on WBBM said 25% of all traffic accidents are caused by distracted driving. I thought 100% of that accident was caused by distracted driving, but 25%. So I took out my pen. I recognized the truth in that statement. And as I'm driving with my left hand, by Lake Hills on 85th, Lake Hills, if you know where that is, fire department, I'm going up the hill, driving with my left hand, I'm writing down, I promise this is true, 25% traffic accidents. I look up, I'm heading right at a pair of mailboxes. So I swerve to miss the mailboxes, you know, and it kind of scared me. I wasn't as close as I thought I was, but I looked up and, well, mailboxes, swerve back to the road, and, wow, that was close. All accidents caused by inattention. <laughs> It wasn't until the second time I began writing that I realized what I was doing. I recognized the truth of that statement enough to write it down, enough to take that truth and wanted to teach it to other people. It was going to illustrate something in my faculty devotion. And yet it made no change in my life. How does that describe us in our Christianity and listening to the word of God, where we might even say amen to that truth that Pastor Wilkerson says, or amen to that chapel speaker, or even take out a pen and write it in the margin of my Bible and say, you know what, my Sunday school needs that, or you know what, my, my, my night bus needs that truth, and we miss the fact that, that was for me. That needs to make a difference in my life today, but I want to be a, a fruitful hearer. I want to understand that the way I take the truth of God's word and apply it to my life, that that will dictate my destiny. It's not my opinion. That is the word of the Son of God. I mentioned my son Jeff. I was sitting next to him. He just started sitting in church when he, when he was four. And uh, that's always interesting. Uh, it seemed to happen with every one of my kids, but it happened most recently with Jeff. And right in the middle of the sermon, he lets out a big, oh, you know, just a big yawn. You know, I have to, you know, nudge him. Hey, you know, he cuts the yawn short right in the middle. Like, Shh, don't do that. Keep your mouth closed in the yawn. It's okay if you're completely bored and not listening, but don't embarrass your dad, okay, is what I'm saying. So like, don't do that, you know, because he's just kind of oblivious to what's going on. A couple Sundays ago, I just heard, right in the middle of the church and so I looked over at Jeff and he's just looking at the big screen Jeff stop humming okay 
he, he let out a hum and looked back and be like, did you hear that one? You know, like, like, how can you hear me? My mouth is closed, but I can hear you. And it's like his brain is a thousand miles away. And now we laugh at that because we laugh at a four-year-old. But I wonder how often my brain is a million miles away during the preaching of God's word. While, while God is trying to sow that good seed in my life, what kind of soil am I? And I thought of that little boy, that four-year-old boy, and I realized his future is depending on how well he listens to the word of God. And then I was convicted. So was mine. So was mine. My future will be dictated by how I listen to the word of God, how I apply it to my life, you are here, and just by the very fact that you are here, it is a testimony to the fact that you want to be fruitful in your Christian life. You come to chapel, you go to class, you go to church, focus, apply that teaching to your life. Don't make the mistake of saying amen, agreeing with that pastor. Do all those things. That's not the mistake yet. The mistake is in not making it a part of your life, not acting on the words that God gave you in that sermon from his word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the privilege we have of having a Bible, the opportunity we have so often at the First Baptist Church of Hammond to hear preaching from your word. What a treasure. What an opportunity. Lord, I wonder if sometimes you get excited about truth that we're hearing and then you see us yawn or you know our thoughts and know our thoughts are a million miles away from that truth that you've labored to get that preacher to preach and he followed your spirit and through your spirit he's giving us those words and yet we're not listening. Lord, I pray we'd realize the importance of the word that you've given us. I pray we'd heed it. I pray we'd follow it. I pray we would thirst when we go to a meeting where we know it's going to be preached. We know it's going to be taught. I pray that we would get the, the soil of our heart ready to receive that word, that seed that you have for us. Lord, I pray we would consistently listen and then apply it to our life. Listen and apply it to our life. Listen and apply it to our life. Thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen.